good to gather together and just sing praise to Jesus today. Are you excited to be here today? Let me hear you. It's the best weekend ever. You guys, we're going to be celebrating changed lives today. We've already had baptisms throughout every service this morning. We have at least four more being baptized today that we get to celebrate with. And i got to be honest, if you missed, I believe it was last night, John Hauser gave us a phrase for Crossroads that I think we're going to be running with right now. We're stealing it from him directly, so know where it comes from. But when it comes to baptisms and celebrating baptisms, those changed lives here at Crossroads, here's how we describe that now. There ain't no party like a Crossroads party. That's how it goes down here at Crossroads because we are celebrating lives that are forever changed. And that is something to get excited about. Now here's something else that's great that's happened this weekend. Our Mishawaka campus is three years old today. It's their birthday. Three years old. Mishawaka, and they have moved back into the Battelle Center. They've been given permission to start meeting inside again, and it's just been a great day as one of our campuses is able to reopen their doors and start connecting people with Jesus again. And all throughout the summer, as we've been doing church at the park in Mishawaka, I want you to know we've been able to connect with all kinds of families, and our Mishawaka campus is just thriving. So be excited about what God is doing here. People are being connected with Him, and this is a best weekend ever experience. Friday night, last night have been terrific. Today, you guys, I, I want to encourage you, lean in to what you're about to hear because this is a powerful message. John is here with us today. He's going to be bringing an amazing message. And I just want to challenge you to encourage you, lean in. Let's take this opportunity to draw close to Jesus and hear his voice today. And I would just like to start this, this time together where we draw close to Jesus and dive into his word by praying together. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me and let's just ask Jesus to meet us here today in a special, new, fresh, and powerful way together, all right? Jesus, we are so thankful to be able to gather here today to lift up your name in song, to be able to worship you, Jesus, and to have this chance to draw closer to you. I pray that right now that you would clear our hearts and minds Allow us to lean in and, and to listen to your still small voice as you speak to us today. I pray, God, that you would anoint John. Would you give him your words to speak into our lives in this moment? And God, may this just be a sacred moment where we leave today drawing closer to you than we were when we walked in. We love you, we thank you, and we give you praise. We pray this together in your name, and together we say, amen. Hey, would you welcome my friend John Hauser to the stage as he brings the word today? What an amazing weekend God has given us. I love the spirit. I love the energy. I love the joy here at Crossroads Community Church. What a great, great blessing. What I love is uh, I think of many friends and family members that I have, different parts of the country. I could invite anyone to this church. I love that. <laughs> look, at, look at us. Look at those online, those at the different locations, on the big screen. I mean... We come from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of stories, all sorts of, 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 of different life circumstances, and yet here we are in the name of Jesus Christ, worshiping and learning and growing together. Back in 2005, my son Nathaniel and I jumped into the car. It was time to take him to Taekwondo practice at the Dojang. A Dojang is a gym for practicing Taekwondo. It was a pretty small, small gym, small room. It was probably... Uh, not quite as wide as this stage and probably a little bit square, but about this many in square feet. And some of us parents that didn't like to drop our kids off and figure out what to do for the 45 minutes, we would just stay. And there were a few chairs at the edge of the room, and we would just sit there. And we tried to be quiet because uh, there was a focus to Taekwondo. And the way practice would always start is all the students would do all their stretches, and they would count them out. And uh, very... Uh, 
very focused on, on what they did during a practice. Most of the time, I had one of those little uh, personal digital assistants, and I would play Yahtzee on that device during Taekwondo. But this particular day, I'd gotten a brand new book in the mail. It was one of the hot books, hot off the press at that time, called Breakout Churches. So I opened it up during that practice. I read the very first sentence in this book, and practice was nice and quiet. And as I read that sentence and I got to the end of it, I said, oh! And everyone looked at me, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> you ever have a sentence or a phrase in a song, a book, something you read, and you just feel like, whoosh! You can't even fully explain it. It's sometimes it's like it just knocks you. It just kind of knocks the wind out of you, and you're like, whoa. That's what happened when I opened this book. Fifteen years later, this sentence sticks with me. I think about it often. Curious what it is? <laughs> Sweet, like six of you. I love it. <laughs> I hope you remember this. I have to apologize to the author, Tom Rainier. After I read this sentence, I closed the book and I thought about it and I've never opened this book again. <laughs> but that particular sentence I circled, I wrote WOW all in capitals, several exclamation points. You ready for it? I don't need to open the book, I know it. It is a sin to be good if God has called you to be great. It's a sin to be good if God has called you to be great. Here's what I know. Deep within the heart of every man, woman, every human being is a desire to be great. God didn't wire you and he's poured talents and gifts and resources and personality and experiences into you. You're not average, I can see it. You're way above average. I believe deep within every human heart is the desire to live a great life. No one wakes up hoping they live an average life. Hey, we just moved from North Dakota down to Kansas City a few months ago. And man, if you're ever in Kansas City, I've got a restaurant I want to take you to. Oh man, you aren't going to believe it. You're going to be so excited. You're going to want to jump in your car this afternoon and head down to KC. It's the most average restaurant that you'll find. It's like average food at an average price, an average service. Like, who isn't excited about that? <laughs> no one. You know, none of us lay awake at night thinking, man, I just, I just hope someday when my time here on earth is done, I, I just hope that the people that show up for my memorial service and they kind of do the open mic and they share memories, I, I just hope someone, I just hope someone grabs that mic and says, man, John was the most average person I've ever known. Now I just hope my son says, yeah, he was an average dad. <laughs> I hope my wife grabs the mic and says, man, he was the most average husband. <laughs> he was the most average employee, the most average neighbor, the most average. No, of course not, right? We're wired for greatness. We have a desire to live a great life. I got to admit, I'm a math nerd, and I'm going to give you a formula on how you and I can live a great life. <laughs> I used to uh, shy away from embracing 
my love of math and my, my math nerddom, and now I just fully embrace it. In fact, if I had a pocket on this shirt, I'd put a pocket protector in there this morning. It's just a beautiful thing. <laughs> but this is a formula I hope you never forget. I wish I would have known this as early in my life as possible. How do you live a great life? Well, a great life is the result, that's the equal sign. Great life is a result of a great contribution. Two, and two, when you do word problems in algebra, that means a, a multiplication sign. Great life is a result of a great contribution to a great cause. You know what our challenge is in our society? We have a whole bunch of people that are making great contributions to an average cause. And if you make a great contribution to an average cause, what's the result? An average life. And if you make an average contribution to a great cause, what is the result? An average life. We were wired for average. We were wired to live a great life. It's a sin to be good if God has called us to be great. There are two great sayings that Jesus gave us. The first one I'm sure you may be familiar with called the Great Commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. The second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, all of the Old Testament falls on these two commandments. Love God, love people. They're not two commandments, they're one. Sometimes people say, oh, I love God, but I don't love people. <laughs> yeah, my Uncle Henry ticked me off at our family reunion, so I canceled him. <laughs> Took him off my phone. I don't even answer his calls or his texts anymore. Canceled. <laughs> I love God. I just don't really care for people. It's impossible. It's one commandment. Love God. Love people. It's not two. If we don't love people, we don't love God. Because people are created in the image of God. All nations, all nationalities, all backgrounds, all colors of skin, all political leanings. Yeah, true. Packer fans even. You got to love them. You do. It's hard. I'm married to one. I sleep with one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I figured I'd better wait till the end of the weekend to reveal that little truth about my wife. Guarantee you she's got Packer clothes on today. I'm not with her. I can't watch games with her. She drives me crazy. She yells at the TV. She'll throw things at me. No. <laughs> She's a diehard. I got to love her. <laughs> it's a great commandment. It's not a good commandment. It's not a good suggestion. It's a great commandment, right? It's great. I got to embrace it if I want to live a great life. And, of course, Jesus gave us a great commission. It's a great commission. It's a great mission to go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Jesus said, I will be with you, surely. <laughs> surely I'll be with you always. It's not a good commission. It's not a good mission. It's a great mission. It's a great commission. To make the disciples, examples of Christ, fully surrendered, fully obedient. The goal of Crossroads Community Church is not to be a small church, a medium-sized church, or a large church. No, 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 no. The goal, the goal is to go and love and impact and invite and make room. Empty chairs, empty facilities, more services, more locations. 
so that more people can connect with Jesus Christ. They can be radically changed and transformed from the inside out. We can celebrate what God is doing in our life. We can love God back, celebrate what he's doing in the lives of friends and family and folks in our community, and we can contribute to a great cause. In the New Testament, we learn that the local church, the local church is God's delivery vehicle. You see, the local church is needed by every follower of Jesus Christ in order to live the great commandment and fulfill the great commission. I also hear this. I'm sure you've never heard this. Oh, I love God. I just don't really love the church or want to be part of a church family. Like, really? Really? This is a body of Christ. Like, hey, I want to be a professional football player. I just don't want to play on a team. You know, I'll play for the Bears, and then when they lose week one, then I'll jump over to the Vikings, and I'll go play for the Colts, and I'm just going to play for whatever team's winning. No, you got to be engaged to a local church. You got to be engaged, active. We need active members. We don't need memberships on a roll somewhere. Pull out some book. Let's see. Oh, yeah, you're a member. No, no, no. We need people who are living like members. <laughs> Not being a member, living like it, right? You, you cannot. You cannot live the great commandment without being connected to a local church. You cannot fulfill the Great Commission on your own. You need to be a part of a body of Christ. And together we can fulfill the Great Commission. Paul, who had a radical life change, and he wrote over half of the New Testament of our Bible. Even when he was in jail, he wrote letters to these churches that he helped start. And one of those churches was in the city of Corinth. We have two of those letters, First and Second Corinthians. And Corinth was a very important trade center. It was a very immoral city as well. And in chapter 15 of his first letter, 1 Corinthians, he was telling them about what was to happen in the future. He was, going to he was talking about the return of Christ and eternal life in heaven and things that were going to take place down the road. And then he says, hey, and I got to remind us, here's what we need to do now. We can't live in the future or just for the future. We got to be present now. We have to lean in. As Pastor Tim just shared with us, and he said this, he wrote this, Therefore, in light of all that God has done and all that he will do, my dear brothers, my dear sisters, stand firm. There's going to be pandemics. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be conflict. There, there's going to be things we don't disagree with. There's going to be economic downturns. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. And then he says, always, always give an average commitment to the work of the Lord. Is that what he said? No. Always give yourself, how? Fully, open hands. All that I have, all that I am, I own nothing. God, you own it. I'm a manager. Leverage it. For your kingdom cause. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Paul understood that a great life is a result of a great contribution to a great cause. Paul believed, Jesus believed, I believe that the local church is a great cause. I would love to share that with everyone and anyone I can, guys and gals, my dear brothers and sisters. The local church is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. It's the delivery vehicle that every Christian needs.
to live the great commandment and fulfill the great commission. I believe that at the depth of my soul, I will give my life to it, the work of the local church. So here are three questions as you make financial contributions. You can use these for in many different ways. These are powerful questions. And here they are. Has God done something great for me? Do I believe in what Crossroads is doing to help people? And do I believe giving financially to Crossroads or to my local church will make an eternal difference? Has God done something great for you? I don't have enough time to tell you all that God has done for me. I'll share a little bit. My mom had a very challenging life growing up. Her mom and dad had three girls in three years. My mom was the youngest of the three. And my grandfather, grandfather decided that marriage and being a dad wasn't for him, and so he left the family. My grandmother was left to raise these three kids, received no financial support, no emotional support. My mom saw her dad less than ten times in her entire life. On the day of my mom's wedding to my dad, my grandfather wasn't there. My grandmother, a very hardworking lady with an eighth grade education, she gardened, she raised chickens and goats in order to provide for those three girls. She was a cleaning lady, she never drove. She would walk into town and clean offices in the evenings. My grandmother worked seven days a week really hard in order to provide in a very difficult situation. Economically, they were very poor, very poor. My mom got rheumatic fever in high school. She missed an entire year of school. My mom got married in her late 20s. She had two children, my older sister and me, in uh, those first uh, five, six years of marriage. My dad got sick on a Wednesday. They thought he had the flu. It turns out it was a form of meningitis. It attacked his heart, and he passed away on Sunday. He was a pastor. So just like me, he preached one Sunday, he planned on preaching the following Sunday, and he had died. So here's my mom. Didn't drive, didn't work outside the home, 35 years old, living thousands of miles in Illinois, away from where she grew up. Say all that to say my mom had a lot of reasons to be angry and bitter towards God, towards others. But Jesus did a mighty work in her life. Because of God's forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ, she learned to forgive her father. I never once in my life heard my mom talk bad about her dad. I did not grow up in the home of an angry, bitter mom. I so easily could have. How would my life be different? That is a gift of God's grace. That's what Jesus did for my mom, and I am a blessing. I am blessed, and she was a blessing to me through that. God became her perfect heavenly father. God became her healer. God was her savior. God protected our family. God provided for our family. My mom used to say, John, you aren't going to be a statistic. We know the statistics of boys who grow up. I had no grandfather in my life. I had no dad in my life. We know the statistics. My mom said, God is going to provide. She said, I pray every day. She said, I pray every day that God will fill those holes in your life that a dad and a grandfather can fill. God has done much for me. Has he done anything for you? <laughs> God saved me from so many pitfalls and wounds that so easily could have tripped me up. Whenever I go visit someone in jail, I always get emotional because I look at the person on the other side of that glass wall or those cages, those bars, 
And I say, man, I'm one or two decisions away from being exactly where you are. (laughs) When I go into a treatment center, I say, man, I'm one or two decisions away from being exactly where you are. I don't look and say, whoa, look what I've done. No, no, no. By the grace of God, I walk. God blessed me with my wife, Terry. We celebrate 31 years of marriage in December. Yeah. I've had some seasons where I was not a good husband. There was a time when I had a, quote, affair with my job. I worked a ton. In many ways, I loved my job more than I was showing that I loved my family. And my wife, my wife was gracious, and she's forgiven me. Early in our marriage, I had a lot of anger. I was very controlled by money. I didn't want to be poor, and I used to yell at her when the phone bill, like, we only called our parents, my parents, on weekends when it was cheap, back when you kind of had these phones with a cord going into the wall. Like, you don't just pick up a phone and call any time like you do now. You call on the weekends because it was a lot less. And my wife, like, she'd be making supper and she'd call on the phone. I'd be yelling at her, get off the phone, that's costing us money. Don't call your mom long distance. (laughs) My wife's forgiven me. She's shown me much grace. Six years into our marriage, we realized that we very, very slim chance that we would ever biologically have a child. That was devastating. I don't know where we would have been without Jesus Christ in our life and the love of a church family. Honestly, I think our marriage would have fractured and we would have never been together for 31 years. If you've struggled with infertility, it's hard. Oh my goodness, it's a hard road. (laughs) And you see other people having kids and then you see people that don't take care of their kids and they're getting pregnant and you're just like, man, God, I don't get it. Jesus helped us a few years later through the grace of God. (laughs) We adopted an amazing little boy. My wife was there in the birth room. He was born in Muncie, Indiana. He's now my son, Nathaniel William Hauser, 24 years later. That's a gift from God. (laughs) And then at the age of 41, I was 41. My wife is way younger than I am. Out of nowhere, we still... Well, we know, but we don't know. She got pregnant. (laughs) So I have a daughter. We have a daughter, 12-year-old daughter. So we have a child that was born in our hearts. We have a child that was born physically. I am blessed. I've received the love of a mom. I've received the love of a wife. And I have a daughter that just thinks I'm the greatest guy in the world right now. She's seventh grade. I don't know if it's going to last eighth, ninth, tenth grade, but I'll take it right now. I mean, like, even when her friends are around, she'll give me a hug, and she'll kiss me on the cheek, and I kiss her on the cheek. I'm like, this is awesome. I say all that to say, I don't deserve that. I can't earn that. It's a gift of God's grace. God has done much for me. God has helped me. Freely I have received. Jesus said, this is how I want you to live your life. Freely have you, you receive, freely give. Freely have you received, freely give. That's how I want to live. I don't know. Maybe God hasn't ever done anything for you. Maybe you've never sinned, so you didn't need forgiveness. Maybe no one's ever hurt you, so you didn't need to learn how to forgive. Maybe you don't carry any wounds and baggage into marriage. You're like, baggage? I don't have any baggage. Like, marriage is a piece of cake. Parenting? No big deal. Career? I got it figured out. I don't need God. God's never done anything for me. (laughs) If so, don't contribute. Don't give. If God hasn't done, don't give out a guilt or obligation. I freely have received. I've received way more. Oh, man. Crossroads. 
you've given me so much these last few days, your smiles, your love, your encouragement, your words. I can't deserve, I don't deserve that. I haven't earned that. Freely I've received. Freely I want to give. Maybe you don't have any struggles. <laughs> I have. I do. I will have. I need Jesus every day of my life. I'm one or two decisions before I'll be in the newspaper. I'll be behind those bars. I'll be in uh, somewhere I don't want to be. <laughs> Do you believe in what Crossroads is doing to help people? I do. I see it. I've heard about it. I've watched it. I've heard stories. <laughs> I can see it. We're going to see people baptized today. I believe in what Crossroads is doing to help people. I see marriages that have been helped. I see families that have been kept together. I see addictions that have been recovered from. I believe in what's going on here. Do I believe that Giving to my local church, do I believe giving to Crossroads will make an eternal difference? I do. I do. Luke 16, Jesus tells us a fascinating story. I'm going to give you the punchline due to time. At the end, he says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. That doesn't mean use your money to make friends here on earth. Because then Jesus explains it. He says, no, no, no. So that when it is gone, when your life is gone, your resources, your money is gone, when you are done using what is the Lord's, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Use your money to build eternal relationships. Invest your money, a great contribution to a great cause, helping people make heaven their home. And I believe someday heaven will reveal how our contributions to his local church made a difference in the lives of people that we will never meet. Never meet. Let me tell you, a story. My grandmother was the poorest person I've ever personally known. She was also the most generous. She literally has legendary generosity. Stories of my grandmother have been included in books. Her stories have been told literally around the world through family members who were pastors, who met another pastor who said, can I use that story? And they've been told all over the world. I'll tell you one. When my grandmother was in her late 30s, a neighbor invited her and those three girls, they were teenagers at the time, invited them to church, and God radically changed their life. About five years, my grandmother was a believer, and my mom at this time was going to college in Minneapolis, and she took a train to go home to western North Dakota, and they said, hey, let's go to Haver, Montana. Anyone been to Haver, Montana? <laughs> you got you to know that you're going there in order to go there. Like, that's, that's, that's the way it is. Like, you don't just accidentally go to Haver, Montana. Like, you got to really want to go to Haver, Montana. And so my mom went, or my grandmother, went to the Nazarene Church in Williston, North Dakota. And so they were there in Haver on a Sunday. And so she looked up the address of the church in the phone book, and she walked, and my mom walked with her, and they went to church that Sunday morning. Small little rural church, middle of nowhere, Montana. Well, everywhere in Montana is kind of the middle of nowhere. That Sunday, there was a guest speaker who talked about starting a new church in Poplar, Montana. Poplar, Montana is about 200 miles east near North Dakota. It's a, another small little city. And at the end of that service, they received an offering, and my grandmother literally gave every dollar that she had with her. Now, I, I was bold and courageous. The challenge is the money she gave was actually the money to buy the train tickets in order to get back home. My mom's in college, and she's freaking out. <laughs> Mom, well, how are we going to get back home? I don't have any money. You just gave the money that we had to get back to North Dakota. 
from Haver, Montana. My grandmother was simple, but not simplistic. She had a simple faith, like faith of a child. She said, oh, honey, God will take care of us. So they go back to that family member who was opposed to Christianity, had, did not believe in the Bible, did not believe in God. And that day at lunch, as they're eating, and they're like, well, it's time to go down to the train station. And my grandma confessed to him that I gave the money away. I don't know how we're going to buy a ticket to go back home. And he's like, what? <laughs> he got angry, upset, and he ended up buying them tickets in order to get them on the road back home. So what happened, what happened is that the guy that didn't believe in God actually ended up giving money indirectly to help start a new church in Poplar, Montana. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> now, wrap it up real quick. The rest of the story, according to Paul Harvey and according to me, 15 years later or so, there's a little boy that went to that church. His dad was dying of cancer. And during that season, he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. His name was Dennis. You're like, well, how do you know his name? How do you know him? Well, for the last 37 years, Dennis has been my brother-in-law. He married my sister. And when he and my sister started dating, my grandmother had already passed on. Do you see the connection? You know we sang about future generations? May your children and your grandchildren, well now my sister is a grandma. So my grandmother blessed her granddaughter through her husband, through a gift and an offering. And now there are great grandkids and great great grandkids who are blessed through her generosity. Do you see how generosity compounds as the years go on? It's unbelievable. Friends, let's live a great life. Let's make a great contribution to a great cause. Let's set the future generations up for blessings. So I have two quick challenges. Number one, I hope no one here at Crossroads gives out of guilt or obligation. If you feel guilted into giving or you feel obligated, like we need money, please, we need money. The church just wants my money. The church does not need or want, God does not want your Freely we have received, freely give. <laughs> and then number two, my prayer is that everybody at Crossroads engages in financial giving. Everybody. I dream of churches all around America where everybody contributes so we can help more people and serve more people. <laughs> the church can be the hope of the world when everyone participates in giving. And it can multiply in the lives of other people. I want to say a word of prayer for you. You're amazing, amazing people. You're great. God, thank you for this word from Scripture, from Jesus, from the Apostle Paul. I pray that it is connected. I pray that it will grow as the days go on. We know that Satan wants to extinguish a new word in our heart and a new word in our life. And so, God, I pray. Instead, I pray. I pray that, Jesus, your Holy Spirit will fan into flame the good word that you have planted in our souls. Help us to live a great life for Jesus, for you, by making a great contribution to a great cause. In Jesus' name, amen.